the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day, and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead, and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney, and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD, I hold a couple of master's degrees of law. That is to say, I am a master of the laws of taxation law, and I'm also a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of these master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in beautiful downtown San Francisco. And because of my training, my area of interest, my experience and my expertise, I primarily practice bankruptcy law, debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate and taxation law. And sometimes uh, I'm able to proudly say that as part of my practice, I can sometimes uh, seek out and try to vindicate the rights of seniors who have been um, had uh, people victimize them with the various forms of financial elder abuse that's running rampant in our country today. I am, as always, so pleased to be able to come to you once again today from the beautiful KFAX studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show does not provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully at least provide you with an outline of some of the issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. I do this because, as I'm known for saying, representing yourself in a legal matter is just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're lucky, you can get real, real close to your adversary, and you might be able to scratch her on the arm with your butter knife or even poke her in the eye. Uh, But more than likely, you're going to be the one that gets poked. That is to say, you're going to be dead on arrival. That is to say, your valid claims and your righteous defenses will likely see the promised land long before you do. So once again, I must share with you the purpose of Selwyn's Law here on KFAX. In case you haven't already guessed, it's to discuss the law related to your money and unfortunately, more than likely, the lack thereof and your overall finances. 
and what you need to consider to protect your families or your business's financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being, as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. Now, for the last uh, few times we've been together, we continued our discussion of Bankruptcy 101 by, again, providing a 30,000-foot overview of what bankruptcy is. And again, bankruptcy is a federal legal procedure that can be used by individuals, families, large and small businesses, and state governmental units or subdivisions of states. Uh, That all of these uh, entities have in common is the fact that they're insolvent. Uh, That is to say, they owe more money than they're able to repay. That's one way to look at insolvency. The other way is you don't have enough money coming in to pay what to do even if you're solvent on paper. That is to say, your assets, you don't have liquid, you don't have the liquidity that's needed to um, pay your debts as they come due. And you might be able to use bankruptcy to gain time to um, liquidate some of your assets so you can pay your debts while your overall assets are protected by the bankruptcy court. Now, uh, p- debtors or uh, entities or individuals who file for bankruptcy, and they do so because they're in defi- fi- under financial distress. Now, this distress or this insolvency, as the case may be, uh, are dealt with uh, on a very high level in our country. That is to say, there is a provision in our Constitution, Article One, Section 8, which cedes to the United States Congress, that is to say our legislative branch, the power among other listed powers to establish uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcy throughout the United States. And people ask me, why, why, why is that? You have to remember that before we formed a more perfect union, we were a collection of several states. And because we were a collection of several states, Um, You know, New Hampshire did things differently than New York State. And so once we formed that more perfect union, um, you know, if you're a union of states, people need to be able to live in the various states. And if people are filing for bankruptcy, there needs to be some uniformity to it because uh, on the whole, individual states legislate the relationships between debtors and creditors. But when you form a more perfect union, one of the areas that the founding fathers thought was important was to have a hierarchy, a high-level institutional power in Congress to develop uh, laws that are on the subject of bankruptcy throughout the entire United States. And these uniform laws are the subject of bankruptcies that are currently manifest by the United States Bankruptcy Code, the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, and uh, the appropriate federal and state statutes and federal and state case law dealing with the relationship and the rights between and among debtors and creditors. So when a person or an organization initiates the bankruptcy, again, they are said to have filed a petition in their local bankruptcy court based on where they live or where their uh, business is headquartered. And 
in essence, they are commencing a federal lawsuit asking the applicable bankruptcy court to place them under its protection and thereby stop all the actions of their creditors uh, so that the debtor has an opportunity to um, put together a plan of reorganization if he or she wants to reorganize Chapter 11, 12, or 13, or give the trustee, the Chapter 7 trustee, an opportunity to do the research that's necessary to find all of the debtor's assets and liquidate those non-exempt assets to pay the creditors on a pro rata basis based on their hierarchy of the priority of how debts, um, let's say debts, that are, those are debts, how they're paid to their individual creditors. Now, I also um, discuss why uh, we in this free market economy need to have bankruptcy and it's basically to act as a backstop so people will take the risk of starting businesses, take the risk of starting families, and thereby incurring debt to raise their families and educate their families with a knowledge in the back of their mind that if worse comes to worse, and, and, and uh, you know, worse comes to worse, meaning that they're not able to uh, make a profit on that risk that they took out to start a business, or be able to sustain their family uh, with debt uh, for their cars and their homes and their education, they can seek the protection of the bankruptcy court and figure out a way to try to deal with their problems without all of their creditors piling on and picking away at their bones before they can have a strategy for dealing with it. Now, I also talked about exemptions, and that's part of your asset base that you get to keep to start your your, your new life after you become uh, a, a former uh, debtor in bankruptcy. And um, so you need to have a grub stake, as it were. You need, you need some equity in a car. You need to keep as much equity in your home as you can. Even if you end up having to sell it to pay some of your creditors, if you, have, uh, you take the appropriate uh, exemption, you will have some money to maybe buy a, a smaller home and, and move on. Uh, get on with your life. So there's a whole series of exemptions. There's two sets, one uh, federal and the other one based on the state where you live. Here in California, there's two sets of exemptions uh, for California-based um, uh, assets. One uh, is used if you have equity in your home that you want to try to keep, and uh, the other uh, is if you are don't have equity in your home, and there's a, a substantial wild card exemption that you can use uh, to deal with uh, some of your other um, uh, assets that you might want to try to keep. Uh, so we've gone through that pretty thoroughly, and so the topic that I want to discuss today is what debts are not dischargeable. So before we get into that, let's make sure we understand what a discharge is. So that's the reason why people file for bankruptcy. They want to pay what they can and then get discharged of the responsibility to pay for what's left. And that's what people do for the most part. However, um, some debts are what's known as non-dischargeable. And those debts are based on some public policy reason uh, that a debtor debtor should not be able to blow that debt off. 
Uh, it might be a, a kind of debt, uh, such as alimony or child support, or it could be where the debtor did something to snooker their creditor into making them a loan. And so for those public policy reasons, uh, there are uh, 19, 20 or so kinds of debt that are non-dischargeable in bankruptcy. And uh, people ask me this because, you know, some people file for bankruptcy and then they, they have the heartbreak when they find out that they basically filed for bankruptcy for no good reason because they're not going to be able to get out of paying their alimony and child support. And um, if they use a credit card, for example, to pay tax debt, thinking that the credit card company is going to be on the hook for it, and although they paid off the IRS, there's some bad news concerning that as well. And so um, when we get back on the other side, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail uh, about what debt is non-dischargeable. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our discussion on today's topic, Bankruptcy 101, but more specifically, what classes of debts are not dischargeable in bankruptcy? Again, bankruptcy law is crucial in a proper functioning capitalistic market-based economy. But you see, the laws of bankruptcy act as a safety valve that gives entrepreneurs and individuals and families the freedom to take risks of starting businesses and starting family units with the knowledge that if they run into financial distress, that is the result of an honest miscalculation of a business risk or a downturn in the economy, or a shift in the marketplace that causes financial distress, or when an individual or family takes on the risk of purchasing a home and automobiles and consumer debt, or in some cases when they underwrite the formal education of themselves and their children. And as long as taking on those economic risks and obligations were the result of an honest intent to repay the debt and not taken on with the intent not to pay the debt by some form of manipulation or calculation to basically perpetrate a fraud on their creditor, our government has a constitutionally based legal process that may give what is known as the honest owner of these businesses and the honest members of these families a chance to start afresh without the burden of overwhelming debt that tends to destroy the quality of their lives. The bankruptcy process also gives the debtor's creditors some assurance that they will receive their fair share of the debtor's non-exempt assets, even if that fair share means that they take absolutely nothing. You need to file for bankruptcy because you need federal debt relief and you either want to exchange your non-exempt assets for your debt obligations under Chapter 7, or you want to have an opportunity to design a plan of reorganization for three to five years during the time frame or that time frame, you pay what you can 
after accounting for your reasonable living expenses. That would be a chapter 11, 12, or 13. However, at the end of a few months in a chapter 7 or at the end of the term of your repayment plan in a 11, 12, or 13, you want the same thing. You want a discharge. The discharge is the federal government's authorization for you to legally walk away from any debts that you did not pay. And that get-out-of-jail-free card is signed by a federal bankruptcy judge. And this get-out-of-debt card is also known as a discharge, and it's the golden ticket to a fresh start. Okay. However, there are certain debts that you cannot walk away from And notwithstanding your discharge, you need to know that these debts will follow you around like a zombie and they will hang around until they are paid or you come to some solution or some agreement with the applicable creditor. So these exemptions to uh, discharge are found in a part of the bankruptcy code. It's the Bible of what you can and cannot do. Uh, in, in in bankruptcy, that's the bankruptcy code, and there's this, a section 523 that is entitled Exceptions to Discharge because that's what, there's a list of the things that are an exception to discharge. Now, according to the bankruptcy treatise that I use a lot, it's produced by Bloomberg Law, section 523 of the bankruptcy code operates as an exception to the applicable chapter 7 discharge section and it provides a list of particular debts that are non-dischargeable no single public policy rationale justifies the inclusion of each of the debts accepted from discharge rather non-dischargeability is what Uh, people use uh, the term we use, Um, rather non-dischargeability is justified and thus obligations are included in Section 523 for two broad reasons. The first being the worthiness of the creditor and the second being the misconduct of the debtor in obtaining the credit or the thing of value. So the worthiness of the creditor, example I've used before, your child needs child support <laughs> payments, and they're worthy. You know, they're your responsibility. So you you have to pay somebody child support, otherwise the rest of us have to help raise your children. And the other one is the misconduct of the debtor. That's the example where uh, a debtor perpetrated some form of fraud or high-level misconduct that ended up in um, his or her creditor turning over something of value, uh, believing that either that value was going to be partially or fully repaid. So uh, the section dealing with Chapter 7, and Chapter 7s are liquidations. That's where you turn over your non-exempt assets and uh, to a Chapter 7 trustee who will liquidate them via auction or some some form of, of, of obtaining cash. Uh, and that particular states that exceptions are they're provided in this section of the Bankruptcy Code 522. A discharge under this section uh, discharges the debtor from all debts 
except the ones uh, that are considered to be non-dischargeable. And there's a list of them. And they include taxes, uh, customs or duties, or debts incurred to pay taxes. So let's stop there for a minute. So I'm going to go into taxes. Now, the taxes that are non-dischargeable are newer taxes, unseasoned taxes. Now, you might be able to get uh, rid of or uh, obtain a discharge from some of your older taxes, seasoned taxes, and generally taxes that are greater than three years older than the date that you filed, that you actually filed a valid return within two years, and the Internal Revenue Service or the Franchise Tax Board um, has actually assessed those taxes. So although the general classification of taxes, customs, and duties, uh, taxes or or custom duties, are, are non-dischargeable, it take some analysis by your counsel to see if some of those taxes might actually be dischargeable. The second broad category, alimony and child support payments, which I've drummed into you. I I, I think I've said enough about that. Uh, Also, fines, penalties, or forfeitures to the government. So there's some fines that might not be dischargeable, uh, or if you've uh, done something and the government takes over your property, you forfeit it for some reason, usually some reason ha- having to do with a bad act. Um, those fines, penalties, and forf- forfeitures to the government are not dischargeable. Now, here's an interesting category. Education loans made or insured by the government or a nonprofit institution. Everyone knows that, or most people have heard, that student loan debts are non-dischargeable. However, there is a test uh, that might make some or all of the student loan debt dischargeable, depending on who the entity the money was borrowed from, whether they have a, a, a repayment program that the government supports, But you also might be able to deal with your student loan debts, that is to say, not have to pay them back if you pass what's known as the Bruner test, which is a test of the hardship of you having to pay student loan debt. Say, for example, Selwyn went to law school and Selwyn worked really hard uh, and graduated from law school, but Selwyn couldn't pass the bar. And someone couldn't get a legal job. Someone owes over $100,000 in student loan debt, but she doesn't have the ability to pay. Now, that alone might not be enough to get this debt discharge. But say someone was studying so hard that she, you know, burst one of her vessels in her head, a blood vessel, and now she is disabled. Uh, And so she has cognitive issues, and she likely will not ever be able to get a job in that field. Those set of facts might convince a judge that some or all of her 100000 student loan debt should be discharged. Maybe not. Okay, also court fees are non-dischargeable for the most part, and support owed under state law and enforceable by the Social Security Act, uh, and the level of fault 
has no bearing on these types of debts. The other large category of debts are where there is fault. These exceptions define not the type of debt itself, but the type of fault that was used to incur it. There's also a section that people need to realize. Sometimes corporations just go lobby lobby Congress and have debts determined to be non-dischargeable. So that's why I think consumers need to have their own lobby. So I'm going to leave it there for now. But as I like to say in closing, here at Selwyn's Law, we want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws of bankruptcy and their positive effects on our economy and our families. Till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. 